Hi everyone. All week long we've been looking at Psalm 24. This psalm was written to be sung as the Ark of the Covenant, representative of the presence of God, was returned to Jerusalem. So to understand it properly, we picture an assembly marching up the hill towards Jerusalem, with the priests carrying what amounts to the hope of Israel, the Ark that represents God's presence. Now without God's presence, the people had felt vulnerable. They had felt abandoned. They had felt alone and helpless, surrounded by hostile enemies. But now they were excited because the day had finally arrived. As we look at this psalm, we see that there are three distinct parts, verses 1 and 2, verses 3 through 6, and verses 7 through 10. Now let me begin by reading the first two parts, the first six verses. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. See, the first two verses are declarative. They are making a proclamation about who God is. The God represented by this ark is not just another tribal deity. He's not the sun god or the god of the waters or the goddess of love or one of the other myriad idols that were worshipped among the other nations. No. As they climbed, the priests sang about the God who created everything. And by the fact that he created it, has ownership of not only the earth, but everything in it. That's what they are declaring to any and all who will listen. The God of Israel is the all-powerful creator of heaven and earth. They then ask a question that naturally flows from this revelation of God. If that's who this is, then who is worthy to come and stand before him? Who dares to climb the mountain of his presence and ask, for anything? Well, they answer their own question. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart and who has a reverence for God. In other words, the ones who have prepared themselves to be with God. Now, there's a double meaning here. On the one hand, they're talking about the preparations that the priest must make in order to be ready to serve. On the other hand, it's talking about anyone who wants to enter the presence of God. How should we come before God? We must come with repentance, with humility, and with reverence. Now, in the original language, at the end of verse 6, the word selah is added. That is intended to represent a natural break in the song. There was an interlude, a pause, during which the priests kept on marching. They continued up the hill in silence until they arrived at the very gates of the sanctuary in the city of Jerusalem. And the song then took on two parts— sung by two choirs. One of them was the priests carrying the ark. The other was the priests who were on duty inside. Now in verses 7 through 10, we see what they were singing. The first choir sang, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And the second choir sang a question, Who is this King of glory? And the first choir replied, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. 
And then they declared again, lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And again, the question came back, who is he, this king of glory? And the answer came slightly different this time. The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. So what is this about and why does it matter to us? It matters to us because of what it represents. Here comes the king of glory, Jesus Christ, the one we serve and worship. And he wants to have a presence in these lives. For we read in the beginning that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, each heart belongs to him. So he beckons us to cry, open up in the name of the king. This is our call to worship. We serve the king of glory. He created us and he deserves our worship as the creator of all that lives around us. He is holy and he deserves to have holy people serve him through faith in Jesus Christ. He is victorious and he deserves to have people serve him who trust in him that he has won the battle. We earlier talked about the first question that was asked, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Remember the answer? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart and a reverence for God. Do any of us qualify by our own efforts to climb the mountain of God? Well, of course not. But we, thank God, live on the other side of the cross. The priests here in Psalms would have to repeatedly make sacrifice and cleanse themselves in order to be able to bring the needs of the people before a holy God. But in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we read, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may have received mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's a beautiful little quote that I want to leave with you, which sums up some of the things that we've talked about today. C.S. Lewis said, the gospel means we can stop lying to ourselves. The sweet sound of amazing grace saves us from the necessity of self-deception. It keeps us from denying that though Christ was victorious, the battle with lust, greed, and pride still rages within us. As a sinner who has been redeemed, I can acknowledge that I am often unloving, irritable, angry, and resentful with those closest to me. When I go to church, I can leave my white hat at home and admit I have failed. God not only loves me as I am, but also knows me as I am. Because of this, I don't need to apply spiritual cosmetics to make myself presentable to Him. I can accept ownership of my poverty and powerlessness and neediness. How can we help but worship a God who allows us to come to Him in such a poverty-stricken way? As ourselves, honest and humble, this is what the church ought to look like. So in this week, on this evening, I believe that Psalm 24 invites each of us to declare to our own heart to the sticky door that we don't want to open. Open up in the name of the King. God is here to save. He is here to heal. He's here to deliver. He's here to empower. He is here to turn hearts in, of stone into hearts of flesh and to set us on the right path again. 
Who is this King of glory? The Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. He is the rightful King of my heart and yours. He is the Lord of the church. Everything in heaven and on earth belongs to him. How long will you resist him? Would you pray with me? Dear God, we hear the Spirit say today, along with the psalmist, open up in the name of the King. In your sovereignty, you have declared ownership of this earth and all in it, including us. We acknowledge today that you are our King. Forgive us for the times when we have forgotten that and tried to live our lives without you. We need you. We need you to deal with our deepest hurts and brokenness. Help us to stop running and turn to you that we may be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the King of glory, who created all that we see and who holds all things in his hands, fill you with his presence to accomplish his purposes. Let your heart be open, let faith arise, and let the King of glory reign in your life now and forever. Amen.